and welcome back to Giovanni and Trigoli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Alright everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I'm here to talk about one of the most influential films ever made, and that is Pulp Fiction. So this movie follows the lives of two mob men, a boxer, a gangster and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits whose lives intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. So this movie is... Honestly, I would say it just speaks for itself. If you've never heard of it, I don't know how it's possible that it escaped you. Um, I What I said in the intro about this being one of the most influential movies ever made, I really don't think that's an overstatement. Uh, definitely of the last 30 plus years. I mean, this is, well, I guess actually less than 30. Never mind. This is 94 and it, whatever. Listen, approximately 30 years. Um, this movie has influenced a ton and it's got to be one of the most analyzed and written about films ever made. And um, I had never seen it prior to a couple days ago. And now that we're into this Quentin Tarantino series that I decided to do and I'm watching all his movies and reviewing all his movies, uh, this was definitely one of the biggest ones that I was interested to see because, I mean, I just feel like the the references to it penetrated pop culture. Um, there's a wave of imitators afterwards. Uh, I feel like if you wanted to find Tarantino in one, one film, you would kind of point people to Pulp Fiction. It's just like... You know, it's one of the biggest films in pop culture in decades, and it is uh, just kind of uh, intimidating almost to review. So I was really, really curious to sit down and watch it, and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, it is so off kilter, uh, especially for the time. Now there's a lot of other stuff that I would say pushes more boundaries and does uh, even more creative things with the language of film. But for the time, this was definitely probably a massive uh, curveball that was thrown to a lot of audience members. The nonlinear structure, um, the the dialogue, the uh, the sort of like odd and, and tangential like sprawling story that you you know you don't realize like how stuff is going like the long way around to wrap all the way back to like the beginning you know like stuff that happens at the very end you don't understand where it fits into the timeline until uh you know you, you see it in context with everything else that's happened um it's just a it's it's crazy it definitely breaks all the rules that they would tell you in film school i mean this movie is it's it's super dialogue heavy there's like a show don't tell sort of style to it and it is one of the most captivating movies i've seen in a while and i think it's kind of crazy that 90 percent of it is just people sitting in rooms and talking it's not really a very action heavy movie it's a very conversation heavy movie it rides on the dialogue and the performances and a lot of really excellent directing and then i don't think that's what i was expecting going in to be honest with you i definitely wasn't expecting it to be kind of just uh just characters talking and interacting and i think that's actually really cool i like that this movie sort of has a thesis of showing you the moments that you don't normally see like this uh this movie will show you the the um the savior you know instead of 
you being in the room where all the bad stuff's happening and then the uh you know the guy bursts in and takes out the bad guys and saves the day you're with him as he escapes decides he doesn't want to leave just yet has to pick his perfect weapon then he goes in and and all that stuff or you see um two hitmen who have to you know go in and intimidate some guys get some information but they show up a little bit too early so they got to hang back and then they you know deliberately switch from their more jovial selves to the more uh you know intimidating personas that they have to to portray for this to work like that is stuff that you wouldn't normally see again you'd normally see just like some guys they they get their burgers and they're eating and then these dudes burst into their room and they start uh, yelling at them and shooting people and asking all these questions and stuff and you wouldn't see the the part where those guys have to shoot the shit and just like figure out what they're going to do for a couple minutes until it's time for them to make their entrance. Like that's just such an interesting idea. And the same thing with Reservoir. Whereas God damn it. <laughs> that's one of the hardest titles for me to say. I don't know what it is, but it's just the way it hits my mouth. I cannot say Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Same thing with Reservoir Dogs. It is a heist movie where you see everything except the heist. Like, these uh, these movies are filled with the moments that traditionally, uh, you know, any screenwriting guru, any screenwriting teacher or uh, how-to book would tell you to skip, the stuff that they would tell you not to do. And I think it's really cool to see um, a writer who came in uh, at this very pivotal point in time in the 90s and, like, totally changed the game and broke like all the rules in really creative ways. And I think there's a lot of movies that prove that if you're not Quentin Tarantino, it's not really a good idea to do this. So I think that's really cool to watch this movie and just be in awe about how deftly he handles everything and the way he controls the tone of this movie, um, how it can, it can kind of go from really funny to really dark to really funny again to, you know, all this stuff in like one scene in particular, the, uh, the, the scene where they have to give Marcellus's wife the uh the adrenaline shot because she's overdosed um that whole scene is like darkly funny and then it gets really serious and then it has like this moment of relief and it breaks the tension it's a really really well done scene and he's you know that's kind of a microcosm of the entire movie he's able to control the tone and make you love and cheer for despicable people and then um, like flip that on its head and make you root against these people who um you know you thought that you were on their side but then you have to be on the side of somebody else and then you know that uh that kind of switches as you go through the movie and i think that is really cool how he kind of changes your perception of some of these people and i like how they uh how creative they get with this world i mean this is an incredibly well-built world you kind of are just peeking in on the edges of what is just a massive um you know just a massive underworld of all these all this history and all these stories and all all this stuff that you'll never see but you kind of get hints at it and it's just as intriguing as if you were to actually spend more time there you really end up wanting to and i think that's so much better uh in particular stuff like the wolf that was one of my favorite parts of the entire movie uh the fact that they just have this guy that they can call and he's just their problem solver and he's not what you would think of as this problem solver guy he is uh, dapper and well dressed, he's perfectly composed for the entire uh, the entire situation. He comes in, he works very efficiently, knows exactly what to do, and then he's also 
uh, in contact with a lot of really horrible people. And then he, you know, he's just like this, like seemingly very affable, nice guy it was that contrast was really, was really interesting to me. And then, uh, the way, you know, you, you sort of see Jimmy and how he's been like sort of domesticated, but he used to be rolling around with, um, with Jules and all of them and, and doing like, you know, crazy crime shit. And then, uh, you see like the junkyard where they go to dispose of any of the, you know, cars that are involved in these crimes should they need to uh you get to see like the stuff with bruce willis and and the whole the the boxing thing and they're trying to fix the fights it's just such a such an interesting world and i i love seeing like all these different parts of it but never fully you know and being immersed in it just like peeking in at the edges and being so curious about like what's what's going on what else do they have who else could they call like what are what are some of their other guys do they have other guys who are like the wolf and they do they do like other stuff they got like um you know like who else are they 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 have back there it's it's such a intriguing uh premise and then like like the stories you get about marcellus wallace and how um you know he threw that guy off the the balcony but then um his wife later disputes that and it's like you know just all this all this mythos like this whole world has been created in front of you and and it's it's so fun to spend time there i really really enjoyed that part of the movie and um i also think that like just the the fun pop culture things that Tarantino does are really really unique and awesome as well. Um, the the music in this is really really good. The pop culture references are all um, really funny and, and well integrated. I love Jackrabbit Slims. I wish that was a real place. That would be sick. Uh, there's some great cameos in that part and there is just like a really awesome atmosphere to it. Like the whole, uh, restaurant built around fifties pop culture and cinema. And, you know, you got all those movie posters and you got the little car racetrack and you got the, uh, um, the the really fun music and uh, all the waiters are dressed like different famous people from the 50s and stuff that was so so cool uh that was one of my favorite parts of the movie and just in general i think this just all comes together so well uh i feel like this podcast has sort of been uh, a little bit uh a little bit unwieldy maybe a little bit uh jumpy but i just it's difficult, man. There's so much to cover here. This is a really, really phenomenal movie, but a lot of it, you know, you just kind of have to explain because it's just not like stuff that you're used to seeing. And I thought that was probably my favorite thing about it. But in terms of directing, there's a lot of really amazing shots in this. The lighting is really good. The atmosphere that he creates is is um, very well done. There's a split diopter shot in the, the scene where... Um, Bruce Willis is running away from Marcellus Wallace. That's a that's a really cool shot. There's a lot of just really well framed um, stuff in this movie. He plays with shadows very well. That was something that I I thought was was unique. Um, the music is very good. Everyone is giving great performances in this. I would argue there's some career bests. And I think in this movie he found a lot of actors who are very good at pulling off his dialogue and making it sound natural. There are definitely actors who can do it better than others. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's very witty. It's very fast. And it's, it's very like, uh, there's like a perfect timing to it. You really have to hit like a, 
a good cadence and a good flow to kind of make it sound right. And not every actor can do that. But in this, I think he found just a who's who of people who could do that very well. In particular, Sam Jackson, I think was, was great at this. Uh, John Travolta, same thing. Like, uh, even Bruce Willis, who is also giving a really great performance in this, um, which is crazy to say because as i know him now it's been just a series of like really boring really um rote movies that just aren't uh you know aren't very good he doesn't really give a shit anymore but this was a time when he did and it's really really cool it's really cool to see him like trying again because it's been a long time since that's happened in his career but he does a very good job of, of that as well there's a lot of stuff where he works in like physical mannerisms um and just like little touches here and there that make the character feel so lived in um and just everything about this movie i think is really really amazing i think that there's a reason why that everyone loves it and it's so um highly analyzed and talked about so frequently and brought up as one of the greatest films ever made. It is, uh, it really is something to behold. I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't feel like I did it maybe even justice on this podcast, but I also feel like that's kind of impossible because it's just such a, such a grand, like achievement, such a, uh, you know, the, the feat of writing and directing it is so just insane to, to kind of wrap your head around. I think it's, it's just hard to like to review it quite right, but I, you know, I threw in my two cents here, and I think that if you haven't seen it, you definitely should. If you, uh, if you have, I think it's obviously well well worth watching again. There are so many things in this that I would love to, uh, you know, catch on a second viewing, see if I see anything differently because I know how it ends and where it's going, and more where the segments of the film fit in together, like chronologically. Um, so yeah, I liked, I liked this a lot. This is a really, really great movie. All right. I am grateful for a new graphic design opportunity. That was really cool. I was totally not expecting it and I'm really glad that I was able to, uh, able to get it. So yeah, that's something to be grateful for and I'm excited to get to work on that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yep, ready to griffles. Um, it's late, can you tell? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know the drill. Rate if you subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars is super helpful. Um, and after that, you can check out the website, which is linked in the description below. Uh, that's moviesandmorepod.com. You can find links to all the episodes, links to everywhere you can listen to them, and, uh, a whole lot more. A yeah so thank you you've done all that and thank you in advance if you are going to but in the meantime thank you as always for listening that's the most important thing that you do for me and until next time do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in paris peace